Da 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 da! Fuck man! You're listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts Jim Jones, Fuckman, Peter Streets, Fuckman, and introducing Aaron Hubbard. Fuckman. We should cast about board gaming ethics and dicks in board gaming, or just gaming ethics in general. I was about to say that a lot of the board game ethics would also apply to modern day online games. You know For how sure. Will yeah. Wheaton says, "Don't be a dick," right? Okay, we need to talk about this subject. We need to wait before we do that, though. We need to we need to come up with a pseudonym. All right, let's call him Butt Cheek. <laughs> let's, let's, let's call him Ass Bag. Let's call him Ass Cheek. So we had this friend Ass Cheek. <laughs> All right. Okay, I have a story about Ass Cheek. The first time I went to a LAN party, we were sitting down to play Jedi Knight. And Jedi uh-huh. Knight, at the time, was one of the first LAN multiplayer games, right? Well, I mean, Doom was the first of that. Sure. It yeah. wasn't the first, oh, yeah. but it was... Yes, it the, was. No, 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 I'm saying Jedi Knight wasn't the first, okay, okay. but it was very early on. And, and so the security on these things wasn't very good yet. And what you can do, and what Ass Cheek did, is he opened the config files. And normally, the settings for like all your force powers and your health and, and stuff were set to a certain default. And you couldn't go above that. And, and that number was six. And so what he did is he went into the config, he manually edited it to set all of his settings to ten. Whereas we were all playing at six. And he was walking around, force choking us to death in like half a second. We'd be dead on the ground. And it would take, like, a minute to kill him. So he was literally walking around through the game, just force-choking everybody, left and right. And we could do nothing. He would force-push us off of cliffs. He would force-jump to places that we couldn't get to. <laughs> the funny thing about Ass Cheek was that he always does it to the extreme. Like, if he had <laughs> set it instead of 6 to 8, yeah, he still would have had a clear advantage. Okay. But right. he wouldn't have been like, you probably would have just thought, geez, Christ, he is a good player. Yeah, but when yeah. you almost double your force power, you know something is up. Yeah. So he wasn't yeah, that's very true. smart. He wasn't it. he wasn't smart enough to to just give himself the edge. He he, he had to he, actually go over the edge. I think like, he was smart enough. He knew that we would notice, but he was just too greedy. Like he wanted that extra power. He knew he could squeeze more well, out and so he wanted it. My read on Ass Cheek was that he thought he was smarter than everybody else. So he would tell like bald face fucking lies and cheat openly, <laughs> thinking that you wouldn't call him on it because you wouldn't smoke him out. Uh huh. And I'm like, really? It's like, he cheated in the RPG game that Peter here hosted way back when. How do you cheat um, in an RPG? He, well, first of all, he min-maxed his character, which that always really pisses me off when I... That's not cheating. Well, but, but it, what it is is he joined a group of characters that actually legitimately built a full-featured character and we were into the role-playing. And he joined and mm-hmm. played and rolled some munchkin fucking min-max class, but then I watched him with my own eyes fucking cheat the dice. The best possible score you can get is 18. He'd right. be like, whoa, 18 strength, wow, and then like next <laughs> one, 18 intelligence, I'm on a roll. And it's like, everything was 17 or 18, so it's like, I, that was funny and I knew he was kind of like this anyway. So I just surreptitiously, because I was helping this other person, I looked over and the motherfucker was just lying about what came up and then loudly announcing it and then writing it down. <laughs> and I'm thinking that even in his mind, he thought, well, I'll do the 
Like, somebody might actually start watching me after the first three, but I know that the first three are the only ones really give a shit, you know? <laughs> so he basically got a character who was 18, 17, 18. <laughs> he was playing a Trandoshan, and I was a Wookiee, but he picked Trandoshan specifically for the species of bandages that are granted him. Then he was a soldier, which was, like, uh, for, for a level one character, the best at combat, and me and this other guy had rolled a realistic character who was just average at combat, but... Was, anyway, he, was his ramping. plan to kill your character in the game? It sounds like he was ever since that last headshot in Half-Life 2. I've always wanted revenge. Yeah, that was a guy who was... He, he, not only was he kind of being a douchey player, but he was fucking cheating, and I saw him cheat. It's kind of hard to cheat at an RPG, because as the DM, you can just make it harder on that character, right? I mean, yeah, so he min-maxes, okay, well now he's facing three enemies instead of the two he would have been had he rolled correctly. Sure, exactly. you can. Yeah. I mean, you I can, can always you can outscale him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If everybody in a party is a min-maxer, it's not that big a deal because you're all equally good. What happens is if the rest of the party decides we're going to build a realistic character, we're going to roll them honestly, and we're going to assign their values as it would make sense to their backstory and role, if you have that kind of balanced character and there's one fucking min-maxer munchkin in it, then what he becomes is almost a god. Well, then because you just he's fucking basically kill him immediately. He's basically two levels better than you all the time. There is kind of an ethics to it, and it does fit in with our topic of ethics in gaming. Yeah. Because no matter what you do, there are going to be the butt cheeks out there. Not all of them are cheaters. Our personal friend, Butt Cheek, was so into victory. It was so much uh, a part of his identity to be this kind of guy that was always dominating that he went to the dark side to get the power right that's the classic oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that's the classic yeah. foible he of is the hero's an archetype <laughs> he is absolutely the archetype he would be the anakin skywalker of our group <laughs> for he, sure he would grab a hold of any unethical action as long as it produced power mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yep he would lie to his friends to their faces and he would he would cheat in in rolling dice and things like this there is the jedi to that sith is what i'm trying to say Let's use our friend Cheek as the Sith example. Okay, let's look at the, the min-maxer who's the Jedi. That's the person that's going to actually take a hard look at the rules of the game, study them in depth, think about them, strategize a legal way to make their character the best it can be. That player is a power gamer. And I'd say our friend Cheeks, oh, I'm sorry, Cheek was a power gamer, just so much so that he delved into the dark side to do it. Also, uh, power gamers, total fucking assholes. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, they can be pricks. <laughs> Whatever. What, just... what about, like, FPS power gamers, where you're memorizing maps and you're knowing the best places to stand? I mean, do you call that, those people yeah, good uh, or agreed. asshole it, cheaters? Min- min-maxing <laughs> is the point in every single game except for, except a for paper RPGs. RPG. Yeah. CRPG... Min-max the hell out of it. Min-maxing but, uh, seems like the opposite of what you want to do in any RPG. A paper yeah, RPG. Yeah, why, I mean, why? Because you're there to enjoy the experience of interacting with your friends and, and living through this journey, not to to just kill the monster the fastest. Okay. Well, that's exactly I, right. I, and I only challenge that, Jim, due to the fact that I kind of agree with you. However, this is kind of more of a cast, I guess, about ethical behavior. Yeah. So we've all agreed our friend Ass Cheek is... Not the kind of friend that's really the friend you want at your gaming table. <laughs> he's not really the one you want uh, on the other side of your high-speed internet connection because he's probably <laughs> God, no. cheating. He's probably using an oh, aimbot yeah. or oh, something. Oh yeah. Also, 
The other thing annoying about him is he would always accuse other people of cheating. Like, <laughs> That's the he worst. He accused me of cheating. He accused. And Did I'm, he really? I'm a game. Yeah, like in a, v, a VGA <laughs> Planets game, I know he could accuse me of cheating. And like, if you know anything about me, I'm like a gaming paladin. Uh huh. To the point that, like, kind of like Inigo Montoya, fight left-handed, and that I will constantly talk about what the enemy should do if I were him. Like, uh, I played both sides of the board. You definitely do oh. that. <laughs> and I'll be, and like, some of the times I'll be like, I, I did this and I fortified that, but man, if you come here and hit here at the Suez Canal, I'm fucked. And <laughs> like, why did I say that? And like, people are like, well, don't mind if I do. And at first, I think some people... They think I'm bamboozling them because it's like, oh, he's trying to get me to do what he will. No, seriously, if I were you, that's <laughs> what I would have done to me to fuck me over. And I can't, it's a sickness I have. But every single person I've gamed with, I've seen him accused of cheating. And he's the biggest bald-faced cheater there is. Yeah, that's like, he's playing Risk. He's attacking you and you're defending and he calls out 666 and you call out 66 and he says liar when he's yeah. just rolled a 4 two, three, <laughs> right. or something. Right. Exactly. Anyway, ethics in gaming, guys. What what else is uh, what else we got on that topic? Well, um, well, I oh, I have a ton of stuff about this. I mean, you guys I, know my dad, I, right? Oh yeah. Let's, <laughs> I mean, if we want to talk ex- yeah. ethics in gaming, we just mentioned my dad's name. Let's go there, dude. <laughs> Jim's dad. Uh, uh, lead, lead the way, Jim. Have we ever discussed Jim's t- uh, dad, even in power play? I don't think. No, no, I don't no. think so. Uh, no, um, this the, is a new the topic. The only time. We've mentioned it was in the Geek Bliss episode, which may or may not have aired by the time this does. Oh, uh, yeah. We talked briefly about him. Um, but to understand the mind of my father, oh, <laughs> it's like unraveling a series of horribly entangled knots and opening Pandora's box because uh-huh. there are oh, some whoa. serious issues going on there. Oh my. And you know, I don't disagree with that description, no, no I... matter as harsh as it is. Yep. Um, he's, oh man, I don't even know how to explain it. See, I, I think I might be too close to this to, to really explain really? it well. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I, I've got stories. If, if you want to hear it from my perspective. I mean, I have stories. I just don't know how to, how to express his overall psyche. Well, I don't either. I would think if anybody did, you would, because you have a little bit more insight, I'm sure. And there's a little bit um, of that in me as well. I mean, we can talk about my gaming ethics oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, so you've really come into your own... <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you're like 85% of the way there. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about my father first, and then we'll move All to right. me right. afterward. Okay. Sounds good. All right, well, you tell me. what What is the deal here? What's going on in this Pandora's well, the, box? What I know of your dad is... The, the days we would spend over there, Sunday afternoons, and we would get together, and it would usually be over uh, pizza and rest. Nearly every weekend, for, too. For for a long time, years. Um, this was a recurring thing we did. It was a ton of fun. I, I had some of the best gaming moments of my life during this period of time. Yeah. And Jim's dad, to describe him kind of like a Al Capone kind of character... This kind of, uh, he will kill himself to kill you. To avenge He will to put a gun in his mouth on your if you're behind him just to, just to shoot him. And that's if you cross him. Yes, this is like the scene in Die Hard 4 where he shoots through his own shoulder to kill the guy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is my dad. Yeah, I guess that's him. 
And now I would say I've caught him cheating. Sure, sure. Um, we've all we've all I think uh, seen him roll dice behind a box no one can see <laughs> and verify rolls from, and and quickly scoop them up so that no one can and quickly verify. scoop them. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Absolutely. I have seen, I have witnessed with my two eyes him play chess with one of our friends who we've yet to talk about. I think we should come up with a name for this guy. The Orfmeister. Orfmeister. Okay. The Orfmeister. Any of those will do. Anyway, so I, I'm watching your dad play uh, our, our friend Orfmeister, and he puts your father into check with a pawn. <laughs> and he grabs... Our friend Orpher's hand, while it's on the piece, and forcibly places it back on the square it was, and said, "You're not moving there, Arthur. Arthur, you're not making that move, Arthur. No, Arthur, you're not going there, Arthur." <laughs> and he totally mind fucks this retard oh, yeah. into submission. Oh, yeah. no, it, he doesn't even do into it with, submission. It's not even with finesse either. Against against the Orfmeister, he doesn't use finesse. He just uses brute no. force. So he will literally take the piece, put it back where it was, and then become irate. So that the Orfmeister can do nothing about it unless he wants to, like, f- almost <laughs> physically challenge him. Yes. <laughs> like, you it, have to. It is Your almost to that point. His fist. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to the ethics issue here with uh, Jim's father. Yes. <laughs> um, I've seen him cheat at dice rolls, and the classic thing about this personality is... That if you're good to him at the start of a campaign, say, for example, in Risk, he will be your friend and he will uh, pretend he likes you and he will laugh and he will joke and he will be perfectly calm and polite. As long but as the, you're playing into the his plan. Instant. The instant you take a single one of his armies, even if it had a tactical advantage for itself in the future, any instant you graze against his forces, it is on like Donkey Kong. It is on, and he will become... His personality will transform into this monster. He will become irate. He will begin telling you exactly how he's going to destroy you. He's going. (laughs) He will tell you exactly. In a very excited tone of voice, too. In a very excited. Yeah. uh, Keep in mind, this is a grown man playing with boys. Yes. Yes. There is like, let's say, fifteen to twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah, like I was, I was when I first started going, I was like sixteen or seventeen, and you know maybe Jason. And this lasted for years. Oh yeah, you were going. I was going up until I got married. Yeah, but still, I mean, by no means a man compared to someone in their fifties. Sure. No, especially when I was seventeen and this crazy silver-haired Italian (laughs) mafioso guy is screaming (laughs) at me, and I'm like, I don't want any of that. I don't think I ever crossed Jim's dad. Yeah. Um, however, the other thing that like that I did fall afoul of on Jim's dad, and here's another gaming ethics, is he would also be your friend up until you were of no further use to him and also not a threat. And then it'd be, he'd start attacking you and we'd be like, what the fuck, Jim's dad? He'd be like, well, he'd lay out this logical case that made no sense about why <laughs> what he was doing was okay. So he's either, like, justifying why he's killing you, or he's killing you crazily. If someone else did the exact same thing to him, he would not take it nearly as well as he expected you to when he did this no, to you. Right, right, right. He, yeah. he, he would freak out, I like remember, you said. I remember one time when you were, like, the 18 gen, probably one of the last kid times we oh, all played, yeah, you yeah. got 
fucking crazy mad at him, and it became that, like, like some kind of ABC after-school special. <laughs> yeah. Guess what, Dad? You've always fucked me over in these games, and now one time I've... <laughs> you have to I mean, understand, was... this has been built, like, we have been playing this game for years. <laughs> and and years. This is not an exaggeration to say, for oh, well over ten years at that point we'd been playing. Yeah, and this and and you guys are assuming that it was just on Sundays when you were there. No, 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 no. 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 I'm not we played that Monopoly assumption. all the time. We played <laughs> Uno. We played any game you can imagine that we would play Yahtzee. It, this same yeah, thing would Yahtzee. happen if I roll a fucking full house. It's like the end of the world. And so this has been building and building and building for years, years and years, and finally there was this one game I was doing really well. Were you here for this, Peter? Yeah, yeah. everyone was there. And I I was doing good, and the only force that could really stop me, and the only thing that I was worried about was my dad. Because, for one, I knew his attitude. Like, I I kind of avoided him as long as I could, but eventually the game came to this crossroads where I had to make a decision. Am I going to attack and try and win, or am I going to leave him alone and let him essentially win? And so I said, fuck it, I'm going to attack him. And, of course, (laughs) the switch flips... (laughs) <laughs> and he turns into this crazy irate power gamer guy and uh-huh. at that point yeah. I had just I, I lost it I was like okay <laughs> I have had enough of this shit it's been years <laughs> that I've been enduring the irate screaming <laughs> madman behind the scenes here <laughs> and I'm gonna give him a taste of his own medicine and so I flipped out on him <laughs> and I was like that's it like you do this every time all I did was play the freaking game like this is what I had to do I laid it out very logically but but all like this excited tone and I was like you do this every time I am never playing this game with you again never that's it done yeah I was so angry so angry (laughs) yeah you were man I was kind of scared because I thought oh man am I seeing the gaming group dissolve because he sounded dead serious. Oh, and like, at the time I, I am was. never playing this again. I mean, at the epic. time, I... Yeah. <laughs> oh. His character is such that his catchphrases have entered into our lexicon. Oh, like the whole, oh God, yeah. I don't even... It's like, that's it, I'm all in, I'm taking us both out. When you <laughs> because that, that, that's what would happen. Inevitably, when you attack him, like the first time you even touch his armies, he would be like, that's it, I'm taking everything I got, and I'm coming against you. <laughs> Every single turn, I'm going to hit you until we were both dead. That's, I'm all in, we are both going out. <laughs> When you heard that, it's like when Jules told, quoted you to scripture. It meant your ass. <laughs> yes, you were not yeah. winning that game because he's definitely not going to win it. But and and you are definitely <laughs> going to win it because he's going to even to the point of playing against his own best interest, whoop on you. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> only a few. Care. Only a few times did I ever try to reason with your dad <laughs> uh-huh. and be like, okay, listen. Listen, I understand why you're upset. <laughs> I, I know that what I did was kind of dirty, but at the same time, we both still have a good shot at winning this. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you just, you know, ignore <laughs> this, maybe we can work together in the future. Uh-huh. But there was nothing I could do to no. stop his rage. There was no I, talking him out of it. There was no reason. There was nothing. <laughs> it's it's over. I mean, you're uh, going to be fighting him for the rest of the game. He's kind of like a disease in a, in a role-playing game. Like, there's... <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna, you're maybe gonna take a you can... status damage. You're gonna take status damage. <laughs> yeah, each turn you have to roll a saving throw against Jim's dad. During emotional so... assault. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I mean, that all comes back to the ethics of just being a good sport. I mean, think people. It's it's a game. It's a game of conflict. You're supposed to have 
people attacking you and you attacking them. You've got to understand that. And when you become irate at the smallest infraction, it just totally ruins the game and ruins everybody's enjoyment of the game, in my opinion. It increased my enjoyment of the game quite a bit, actually, because it was so funny. Because, and like, what's so funny is I saw him playing with his brother-in-law. Oh, uh, what's that game? Like, it's not a fellow. <laughs> backgammon. Backgammon. <laughs> They're playing backgammon. Backgammon. And if anything, his dad was crazier dealing with a, a, a grown man. Because oh, yeah. I was like, he actually held back on us kids. He like it was like it was a nonstop, relentless smack talk, it, like like a machine gun pitch. That's how he was assaulting this man. He emasculates you. See, this is kind of a good strategy. I mean, there's there's these mind games you play during games where you can throw someone off their game just by the words you say. Yeah. And, he, and he is he is unusually competent. That's why there's so much trash talking in sports. For I mean, sure. look at like NBA basketball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, oh, they, yeah. they trash talk to screw with the heads of their opponents. Yeah, he's also unusually good. You can't you can't be a clown and pull this off. I mean, he was good. <laughs> he was legitimate threat to win every game. He was intimidating. I mean, literally. Like, yeah. you felt like you were in the fight for your life. He made you feel like you were. And when you are, you kind of, you don't think very well, because you're kind of emotional. And when you're emotional in a strategy game, you might as well go home. Sure. Because it's, it's over. <laughs> and like you so, said, I, mean, I, I don't mean... deny there's tactics to it. It's just not very fun to play against someone like that. Good sportsmanship, I think, is 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 what makes a group have fun together. I, I'm kind of of the of the gaming mindset. I know Aaron claims to be the paladin. I guess I'm kind of on the same team in that. I think the goal is if the group is having fun as a group, then you're successful. Yeah, and that's kind of the the ideology that that is instilled in me while I'm reading Dungeon Master's Guide Three. You know. Beating your players is not your goal. You don't want to make people feel bad. You want them to feel good. You want them to to enjoy the the experience. And in a competitive game where everybody's against everybody else, it's harder to have that. But that's where being a good sport comes in, I think. Sure. And the sportsmanship is a big factor of gaming ethics. I mean, nobody likes to play against people who become irate and get angry when they are either beaten or things are not going their way. I mean, because like you, I, that's kind of the point of games that are conflict games. You're trying to beat the other players, and so inevitably that's going to happen to you. And you have to know how to take that well and, and be courteous to the other players and not ruin their experience just because you are not doing well in the game. Yeah, I was just going to remark that lastly, as a follow-up to that excellent statement by Jim, is in a game where everybody has an army and they're all fighting over territory and it, it's not a friendly game sure uh, the the it's it's by definition a, a game of war so if you approach it with this attitude of hey the first person that, that assaults me is going to get this huge unleashed wrath it's kind of ignorant and and honestly he lost a lot of games doing that um oh yeah you might you might see that there's some strategy to it and he's definitely very effective on the person he unleashes the beast on <laughs> sure but he ends up losing ultimately because he um foolishly expends all his forces on this vengeance <laughs> along those lines i have to i have to just say this the, if anybody is familiar with the game of risk i'm sure a lot of people are Australia is kind of one of the things you go for at the very beginning of the game. It's a stronghold that's hard to get into, and you can easily escape from it and push out into Asia. And my dad, every game, would inevitably end up owning half of Australia. 
and someone else would own the other half. Most of the time, it was the Orfmeister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the fury Classic. that would build inside of him when you placed your first piece into Australia <laughs> is unlike any fury. I mean, this is like Gandalf fighting whatever fire monster is the in the Balrog. fucking movie. The Balrog. You shall, the Balrog. You shall not have Australia! <laughs> yes, that is my father trying to claim Australia as his own. And when you put pieces in there, he would <laughs> flip out. And and that that ultimately, like, he would begin the game in a losing phase because he would tell you, "I we both lose the game if you put armies in here. If you right, fortify right. this, we're both going out because yeah. I will attack you. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. gonna fight in here until we're both dead." And that to me was totally ridiculous. Was yeah, that always by definition? That's what happens if both people fortify in Australia. I mean, that's yes. a, that's a classic. You both lose. Classic yeah. blunder. That's a classic yep. fu because the other thing is if you commit One of the two classic blunders. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you commit to Australia. That by definition means you're not going to have like a foothold in Europe or definitely South America, some of the other desirable, or like tip of Africa. You're not going to have those other desirable areas because you, you chose a place, country, and, and his thing. So that was always an intense psychological gambit anyway. But yeah, Jim's dad took the nuclear option. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. <laughs> All the times I've ever gone for Australia and actually claimed it in its entirety, I've always came in second. Every time. Yeah, it's because Australia is safe, but it's not very effective. It's safe, but it's also, you, you can't spread kind out. Kind of stagnate, yeah. Yeah, yeah you trap yourself. Plus you get less armies than anything. I don't think I've grown into that role quite yet. You said I was about 85% there? Yeah. I don't think so. I'd say about 50%. Okay, there's, really? a, there's a balance that I'd like to strike, where I get in people's heads, I can intimidate them, but I don't have to become irate. I don't have to... I, I like to keep it more on a joking level. I think. Yeah. yeah I think um, because I feel right. like that yeah. makes everyone have more fun in the long run because they can laugh at me being <laughs> ridiculous and and yes. telling them how they're going to lose, but I'm not really uh, making right. anyone feel bad. You are, you're going into your father's rants, but almost always ironically. Yes. I was thinking like your imitation, but you're right. You're only imitating. It's the actual, that's only half of it. The, the emotional force behind it is the other. You don't have that. Yeah, and, right. and I don't want that. Like I, I could probably go for that if I tried, but I, yeah. I don't want to. It right. ruins everybody's enjoyment. I think Jim, that gives you an edge when you're fighting an opponent that doesn't know your your dad, <laughs> uh-huh. um, because they they aren't going to see through the ploy as easily. They might actually yeah. fall for some of the BSing that you do. <laughs> but then, whenever I'm like playing a game of Magic: The Gathering or something. Uh, with you and across the table, you, you, you're sending the, these vibes my way. <laughs> sure. I, I kind of think back at your dad and go, you know, that, that was always a sign of weakness. <laughs> uh, Every time yeah, yeah. that, that your dad resorts to that, it's because he's vulnerable. And you're mostly right about that. I pretty much only do it when I'm, uh, I don't have the upper hand. Yeah, and you're, it's like you're, it's a last resort. Like you're reaching for a yeah. sidearm. Yeah. It's like you're out of ammunition. Oh shit, the gun's jammed. <laughs> you toss it on the ground, you grab for your sidearm and pull it out and you're, you know, still popping a few caps out. Yeah. It's like, okay, when I see him unleash the beast in, in your style, which is nowhere nearly as obnoxious, by the way, as your dad, um, it's actually pretty funny. Um, I'm, I start to think, oh, and just recently, actually playing you games, I started to think, just maybe you're uh, in a vulnerable state, and now's the time to strike, or that you actually don't have uh, the nuts in your hand, it's just a couple islands. Yeah, and that's correspondingly when Jim goes silent and, like, poker face, that means mm-hmm. he has got you by the fucking balls. Yeah. 
So yeah. it, it, he tightens his game up. Yeah, 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 he does. I think everybody, every intermediate magic player does that to some degree because, like, you can almost see like, the wave of cleverness come over them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, almost uh, the eyebrow yeah, raises. Like, like, like combo has been initiated, you know. Mm-hmm. So like everything yeah. becomes like, uh, are you declaring attackers? Oh, really? Right. It's kind of like they're setting you up for it. Yeah, and I need to start like I think an effective way to game would be to do that constantly. Like every single time, like now, are you declaring? Are you is this a declared uh, attacker phase? And it's kind of hmm, okay, proceed. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about what is uh, what is borderline ethical and what is not because I I was as we were talking about like what I tend to do during magic matches. I was thinking back to some of the stuff that I've heard that the pros do when they're playing magic, and some of the stuff that I've even done at the table with you guys. Like there was this one night not too long ago. Um, it, it was set up so that you had two creatures that had equipment attached, and they were both flying. The equipment gave them flying. I had two flyers on my side, and they were smaller than both of your creatures. And I swung in, and you looked at the board, and you said, both of my guys are flying, and, and they're both bigger than yours. And and then that's when I kind of slipped into this pretend, oh, I didn't notice that sort of thing. And I... I don't think I really ever said I didn't notice that, but I said, oh, oh, they're both flying? Some, something along those lines. And I fully like you were knew. disappointed a little bit. Yeah, I, I kind of tried to portray it. I was acting. I was Hollywooding, like they do in poker. Um, and then after after the attack, of course, you blocked both of them, killed both of them, and I played another card that killed both of your guys and cleared the board. And, but you guys both thought that I had nothing in my hand from the way that I was acting. Um, yes. How far do you think you can go with that without crossing the line into unethical gaming? Well, I don't think it's unethical, but I will say that the two most hated mechanics for me in games are deception and random chance, which means I hate to test poker. But <laughs> I actually view it as um, unchivalrous, I guess, and I like again, I'm the gaming paladin. Sure. To give your opponent less than perfect information that they're entitled to. Really? So, wow. And and like I am warped in the way I because because as I say that I'm like, well, why am I entitled to know what's in Jim's hand? So it's like well, he not. is properly denying me that information, but somehow again, I'm such a freaking paladin that it's almost to a goofy degree that I'm like trying to give the opponent I would consider not only is it my obligation to give him accurate information he is entitled to, but I should also avoid giving him inaccurate information. <laughs> I think that's the distinction. So oh you boy. think, so by that standard, I went over the line. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, again, I realize I'm warped. <laughs> I play Magic the Gathering online, as well as play face-to-face with you and also at other Friday Night Magics. Friday Night Magic is a totally different thing at your local game store than sitting in front of your monitor playing a stranger on the other side of the world. You don't have their body language to consider. You don't have all these things called, if you look up Jedi Mind Tricks, like on uh, Wizards.com, there'll be articles about the, the very thing Jim did against Aaron. And it's perfectly valid. Um, it's a part of the face-to-face magic experience that works into the actual mechanics of the game that are totally left out of the uh, Magic Online element. Yeah. Um, so if, if you just, you know, you may not like that style, in which case Aaron says he doesn't like poker very much because that's very much a part of the <laughs> game of poker. I mean, they're oh, not yeah. unethical when they're bluffing. There's no, you know, uh, a it's, bluff it's core, in real a life. A core skill mechanic is deception in that game. 
Which exactly. is anathema to me. See, <laughs> I'm I'm coming. I I do play a lot of poker, and I kind of come from that background as far as card games go, and so that just kind of felt natural to me to kind of bluff yeah. him with that. I mean. I was like doing this this we're not worthy thing after the play, like uh, <laughs> like, nice. uh, like I was crazy. like, oh my, that is awesome because I I actually respected that. I thought it was a, a, a an excellent play and, and I a respectable. Do I do too. Whenever I see someone pull off that, I always think, wow, the hell of a competitor. But I can't bring myself to do it. I lost a major Doom tournament in the Midwest because I was beating a guy forty nine to one with the BFG, just BFG bitching him in one of these really <laughs> unbalanced Dwango maps, um, uh, where it says you run a simple pattern. You go, like, 200 point, 200 shield, big energy pack, BFG, you run that circle, and you kill him every time you see him. Like in Goldeneye. no fun. So I decided, like, I didn't <laughs> yeah. want to go out that way, because I looked at the student's face, and his face is dejected, so I switched to Super Shotgun. Oh. And I was going to get the last kill with that. And I fucking... It missed him by cut hair. He had like 5% health, and while that thing was like cocking and regenerating, I think he went after me with the plasma cannon, and sh- before I could reload, he had me killed. And then he proceeded to go on a, a 50 kill run and wow. win because he's best of 50. Because he, really? he did wow. not let up. He just BFD of course my not. ass. <laughs> yeah, you were helpless. I, I, yeah. I, that, that was why it was the level so stupid. So Holy shit. <laughs> he, that, that's, what, that's my problem here, listeners. I can't put my boot to someone's heel in a game. I'm not that ruthless. Physical huh. competitions, I am. Gaming competitions, I'm not. So, huh. That's interesting. That so that's a real-life story. I, 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 I fucked up a fairly prestigious for today Doom tournament. Right. I think the way I can is the... It's like being an actor, really. You have to be able to say, okay, when I'm in this, when I have this hat on, I'm this guy, and mm-hmm. these are the rules. And when I walk away from that, unlike our good friend Ascheek, who <laughs> maintained that personality, that ruthlessness yeah. in all things at all times, when you walk away from the game table, you don't take away that unethical behavior. You just turn it on and off like the switch. Um, there is another thing in Goldeneye which relates, I think, specifically to the question of ethics. And that is a spawn pattern. And this this applies to a lot of games. Um, Yeah. There in Goldeneye is a very specific spawn pattern to every single level. And some of those levels, like the stack, those spawn patterns can actually be reached in the amount of time that you are required to have to spawn back in. So the player can actually reach you before you spawn, point the gun where you are going to have to spawn, and then fire immediately when you spawn killing you, and then run to the next point and do it over and over and over. Now, I'm of the opinion that even though that's part of the mechanics of the game, and I think a flaw in the game, that it's still, I would say, over the line as far as ethics go. I think we all agreed on that eventually. I think it took a lot longer. Well, I actually disagree. I disagree. I couldn't do it myself, but I see that as ethical because if you fucked (laughs) up just a little bit, Sure. Then it was the other guy's turn to do it to you. And in that way, so it's almost like you're at that point in a race yeah. for perfection, which is another type of game, but it's still a legitimate game. In GoldenEye levels, you would spawn absolutely unarmed. Slappers only. And Slappers only. And they wouldn't have slappers. Your opponent would be armed to the teeth. <laughs> RCP-90, rocket launcher, <laughs> any of those. <laughs> any of those brutal God, weapons. that game was so awesome. <laughs> I mean, and we played one-hit kill, so and we we played what was right. that license to kill? Yeah, 
License to kill mode. So a grenade is devastating. They spawn, you launch a grenade anywhere near them, they're dead. Yeah, you touch the fire, you're dead. Yeah, it's like a flying death cloud. (laughs) It really is. So the compromise we settled on was you cannot shoot at your opponent. You cannot fire at them since one bullet will hit, will kill them. You can't do that until they have a gun. Yeah. But then this became this ridiculous kind of toying with the mechanic where I would follow you with my with my scope right on the back of your head until the instant you picked up a weapon and then I would kill you anyway. Yeah. So it would yeah. basically become irrelevant because it would be like spawn camping anyway. Yep. Um which is the I think the term coined for it. Isn't it called spawn killing or spawn camping? Yeah. Spawn yeah. camping. The designers had this in mind at least a little bit, because if you were close enough to a spawn, they yeah. would skip that spawn and jump to the next one. But but that didn't help, because we there was this line that you could not cross, and you could still see them at their spawn <laughs> point. And so yeah. we just figured out where those lines were, and we wouldn't cross them, and then we'd kill them yeah. instantly anyway. Yeah, I think the ethics of that we battled on until the bitter end. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, uh, looking back, I'd say that's, unethical behavior because you have an advantage that I don't think was ever intended to be a part of the game mechanics. I agree that was not but intended. Wait, wait, can I disagree because I still think that the, you have to get it for an initial kill on somebody before this can even happen. So there's an element of skill sure. there and the other guy had a chance to prevent you from doing it and then again you can't fuck this pattern up. Like look think of think of how many rules you came up with just exploring the limits of the game, well, we found that we couldn't get this close to the respawn player, or I would follow him with my scope to his head to pick them. I mean, there's a skill <laughs> yeah. to that, too. You guys were still day politics, a, it became you were playing a exhausting. fair ethical game, it just wasn't the game the player, the, the, the developers uh, intended you to play. I agree was, to a point. It was, a, a, crazy, point. Pl- it was a, crazy, it was a crazy game of diplomacy, is what it, what it evolved <laughs> to. No, see, I agree to a, to a point, but the problem is, and GoldenEye specifically, is that you would spawn probably 30 feet from a weapon with no weapon. And so if they had any weapon, really, they would have this massive advantage on you because you could never reach them in time. And, like, 99.999% of the time, you couldn't reach the weapon in time either. Like, even if they missed four or five times, you still weren't within range of getting a weapon or of killing them. So it was less about that skill and more about how many bullets can I put in that direction when he spawns. <laughs> right. It's uh, it's kind of like the the old western, and, and I'm spacing the name on it right now, where the villain would throw a pistol at the foot of the person he wants to murder. <laughs> yeah. And, and he'd say, "Reach for it." Exactly. You know? and, and as soon as they touch it, blammo! You know they're you know they're except gone. in this game he threw the pistol into a well and said, "Go for it." <laughs> I'm still saying that in my view, you guys are still playing a a game of first kill wins. But it was not intended by the designers to work that way. Because the first person that killed the other could then just keep running the pattern and win forever. But that Mm -hmm. first kill had to have some kind of true skill involved in making it. Yeah. So you were playing this bizarre, like, first to one frag (laughs) version of deathmatch, which is really elaborate rules. Yeah, I think the ideal was, that was floating through at least my head, was that, wow, that first game of skill and what it took in order to beat my opponent, in order to get that single kill, is the experience that should be had for each and every individual kill. Yeah. And the design of the maps and the whole spawn order kind of goes against the ideology. So maybe the whole game was broken because, I mean, what we're talking about is having a game where your map is designed where two players 
um, spawn in a separate map, get as many weapons as they want, and then choose where they want to spawn at any given point. <laughs> you yeah. know, that would totally be, okay, skill against skill alone for every kill, because each player would be equally geared to the teeth, and they would choose where they want to enter the world so that the opponent, who they could monitor in real time, would not have the map advantage. Hmm. I don't even know if that kind of game exists. Well, actually, I designed a series of maps called No Cheap back in the Doom 2 days hmm. that addressed that because with Doom, you could, the person not only teleported into predictable patterns, but they were heralded by this flash of green light before they even arrived. So <laughs> you could fire at the flash of green light and kill them before they had a chance to do dick. And yeah. also, you spawned with a pistol in Doom. You never spawned with anything greater than that. Yep. So what I did is I hid... I built my maps in such a way that I hid the respawn points inside walls that were had a one-way texture on them. So if you were in this respawn chamber, which I called a pod, you could look out of it, but no one could see in. And there was a double-barrel shotgun that you spawned on top of. So you instantly spawned with like where no one could see you, but you could see the other. So almost like flipped the advantage around. Yeah. That mm-hmm. if a heavily armed opponent is right in that room... You can stay in there until he passes, or you can choose to try to challenge him with a double-barrel shotgun and get the drop on him from behind. So it's like it turned it to where it was impossible for someone to just grab a powerful weapon and start running routes because now the uh, the almost a respawnee had a little bit upper hand. And it was insanely successful, got quite a bit of internet buzz at the time, got included in a few of the big Duengo, uh map collections, and it was really known for insanely high kills and like really even-handed very skillful play because it eliminated some of the bullshit that, that, that was coded in doom itself yeah i agree i remember that i remember you showing me that map at your house uh years ago back when you created that uh Aaron. i was very impressed i to this day thought it was a pretty good i, I mean a great idea for a, for a map me and ace jace like play tested the shit out of that system until we found something that came that, that came up and worked so I would have to say, though, as far as the ethics are concerned of spawn killing, I would have to say once and for all definitively, my personal opinion is that that is unethical behavior. I would tend to agree with that. Um, what One thing I do want to talk about, we've talked about like the equality of information, um, we've talked about sportsmanship, and this kind of goes along with sportsmanship. Um, what do you guys think about ethics as relates to quitting a game in the middle? Like, let's say you've got a game of Risk, or a game of Access and Allies, or whatever, and and you are up against my dad, for instance, and he he so profusely and brutally berates you after you attack him that you just up and quit. And, and this has happened uh, a few times <laughs> in the games that I've played, where people just are fed up with it, and they quit. And I've done it myself. It really depends. Like... Some people will leave a game because leaving screws over the party or some it, it really messes things <laughs> Just up. Just to spite people? I think there are some okay times to leave a, a game. For example, playing you with your father. really bad. No, I'm not talking about breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are fine whenever you need them. I think that leaving, just straight up saying you quit and walking away, is ethically fine if someone is harassing you and th- at that point, it's basically they're pushing you away. Um, it's not really your choice when you're being harassed. It's actually kind of 
Kind of like if, 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 say, your dad was in his most extreme moment, and it's just you and him left at the table, and you realize, I'm not having fun, he's not having fun, and this isn't what I signed up for. I'm out of here, guys. I would respect that, because you're identifying that his behavior is inappropriate, and by leaving, he gets what he wants, he gets the victory, but it basically becomes a tasteless victory, because, you know, he kind of... He had to be an asshole, and he didn't actually win by skill. He won by by being a dick and by driving you off. And I think that I would respect the person that walked away in that situation more than the person that actually, you know, is the dragon sitting on their loot after, you know, being unethical and screaming at someone. I think this is a this is leading into a good topic of griefing. Yeah. Um, Griefing in a game, is that probably not ethical? Probably it's not ethical. Um, if you're talking about I, griefing I, I in the, a I game... I want to read into the record the fact that the very first multiplayer online game on the internet you ever played, your first mm-hmm. fucking thing to do <laughs> was to grief a whole uh, server. Before griefing was even invented. Yeah, <laughs> yeah before the term was, was coined. It was so <laughs> you ridiculously effective. You, you like <laughs> shut down a whole server in rage. <laughs> Guilty is charged. Or, I can should, should, I, should I tell the story? Uh, yeah, go ahead. So I've got this game. It's called like Warbirds, the World War II flying simulator. So I have <laughs> Peter over my house, and I've got this nice little flight yoke and a, a fairly professional setup. And I'm showing him how to play the game, and he takes over the yoke with my fucking character name, <laughs> and he starts broad, and I leave the room, uh, and he starts broadcasting over yeah. the public channel. You motherfuckers ain't shit. You guys can't play. I can fly. I'm in the shittiest plane. Anyone who wants to meet and say otherwise. And he's like getting people just insanely inflamed. Like, and they're like, where the fuck are you? We're going to teach you some. Because this is back. No one had seen such a horrible thing before. They were witnessing. It's like it's like coming in expecting to see a puppy. It's like the it's, invention of the lie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really is. And, and so, so Peter is flying on the edge of the map. There's a volcano, and he's gone into the crater of the volcano, and he's doing circles. So he cannot be seen on radar, nor can he be seen visually. And he keeps telling these guys, I'm at such and such a map coordinate, blah, blah, blah. And they would all fly to get into a dogfight. And because there is an honor system, like people you could challenge, and then you had to go fly to where they're at and meet above this place. And So Peter was using that meta mechanic to lure all these guys in and just berating and taunting them. And he did this. He basically would fly in a volcano until he ran out of gas and he would crash and he would get in the airplane and do it again. (laughs) Yeah, it was the most. I find that absolutely hilarious. I don't think they did. And I would probably say that was slightly unethical. (laughs) Oh, darn. Oh, I'm guilty. Yes. Charged. So, so uh, now, please, please uh, Peter, get on your high horse about griefing. <laughs> After you, the father of the lie, and now talk about dishonesty. Those scum. Those villainy. I'll meet you at the volcano and we'll discuss it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I'm a guilt. I'm a, I'm a dirty griefing. Everybody is guilty of that and, at one uh, point or another. I know I've done it. It's it's just a bit of fun that yeah, people have I mean, when they first join a game and they're not too serious about it and I, I don't know. It just it's fun yeah. for a little while. 
Well, I mean, you could say that, but then I've played World of Warcraft for the last mm-hmm. five years, and I spent an entire four hours in the afternoon two days ago going to a town where there are low-level characters and <laughs> oh, killing them and, and, and destroying their way out of the town <laughs> and, and spawn camping their corpses for four Horrible. hours. Why does the game let you do that? That seems retarded. See, bullshit. I call bullshit because... on that. I want a game to let me do that. So you want an unethical game. Let me no, tell you about... I want a game that allows me freedom. I think people will come together and eventually find a way to cooperate enough to where the game is playable. I don't think there are <laughs> just going to be assholes everywhere killing people all the time. I think there's a great wild excitement to an open like concept like that. And in the yeah. past, there have been game worlds that are all about that. And they're, very, I mean, like Ultima Online. I never played it. My mm-hmm. fiance uh, does, and well, at least she did for years back when it was popular. I think it's like the servers are burned down now. But um, that was a game where you could grief to your heart's content because there was only policing in towns. There were I think NPCs- Richard Garriott has taken the computers that were running Ultima and is turning them into rocket ships. <laughs> <laughs> Lord British in space. Yep. Um, He's po- colonizing the moon. One piece of junk at a time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this, this whole griefing idea was even more brutal because unlike World of Warcraft, by the way, I can, you can only do that on PvP-enabled servers. There are some servers that are completely toned down and friendly, so there's no way you can do that anytime ever. But I happen to play on a PvP server because I have a griefer in me. Okay. Um... Now, when it comes to the old style games, you would drop all your loot. Like you would work months for items, and they you would have this super deity uh, player, you know, spawn out of the seventh level of heaven or hell, and suddenly be on your ass, kill you if you're in a dangerous spot where shit like this happens. Kind of like little thieve areas developed in the game map, <laughs> and if you wandered down the wrong path or you didn't have an escort you would suddenly find yourself attacked by a more experienced and more powerful player, and you would drop your weapon, all your loot, your money, and everything, and be sent way away. Like, your spirit like would be spawned way away, and they would take everything from you and completely yeah, you, rob you. Yeah, in fact, you spawned in your underwear, if I recall correctly. <laughs> because I remember there was a peasant's uprising. That's how um, it spawn every day. Where they, like, these guys that were pissed yeah. off about this showed up outside Lord British's castle. Like, thousands of them in their underwear. They protest. That's amazing. (laughs) See, that stuff is cool, in my opinion. I I I agree. And, see, I I would kind of draw the line there where there's a difference between griefing and killing characters who have no chance of ever killing you. Because I think if they wander into your area, like, let's say a level 2 wanders into a level 60s area. Well, guess what? He's going to get brutally raped. That's (laughs) how it works. Now, if a level 60 goes into a... A town full of level twos, like you were saying. <coughs> oh. What? <laughs> exactly. I can't hear you. There's something wrong with <laughs> the connection. And starts totally thrashing everyone, and when they respawn, he kills them again. Like, that's something entirely different. I think, like, I, I always use, as MMO examples, the game Eve. And that's exactly how Eve is set up. Now, if you wander, there are there are areas where you can be protected by the police, and essentially you're invincible because no one is stupid enough to come in there and challenge the police. However, if you wander into these areas where they're ruled by the high-level players, guess what? You're dead immediately, and you lose everything you've got. So I, I, I think there's that line that can be drawn there where you can be an asshole for killing people that are lower level, or you could just be playing the game how it's essentially meant to be played. There is one more thing about ethics that I wanted to talk about, and as an avid FPS player, at least in the past, 
Um, this has affected me time and time again, and that is team stacking. What do you guys think about team stacking? Can you describe that to me? Because I don't know uh, what that is. Yeah, the term team stacking basically refers to when you have a server full of people and all of the people who are really good join the same team. And it could also mean that all of the people who are good friends or in communication directly join the same team so they have this tighter teamwork that makes it basically impossible for the other team to have any fun or win. I think that's a... (laughs) Uh, that's a tough one because <laughs> yeah. I've been on teams like that and what Warcraft did is they actually made the game mechanic where it's easier to do that, where you can actually get a pre-made together very quickly and join as a group as opposed to as an individual. And I think that approach works because you can decide that I want to play this game as a loner and hopefully I'll be against a team that's just like us and the odds will be even. Or, you know, you're you're going to, a lot of times if you join as a group, be matched against people who joined as a group. So it makes the odds of, of one unbalanced team encountering a pre-made less likely, because pre-mades tend to be matched with other pre-made groups. Do you know ahead of time going in if you're against a, a pre-made or not? Um, you can. You can look at the a little tab and then see where everybody's from. And if it looks like they're all from the same server, odds are they're pre-made. That, that works pretty well as far as I'm concerned. Um, as long as they give you the option to then not join that game if you see you're up against a pre-made and you don't feel like playing against that. I don't think it's unethical to have a pre-made group that works together. I think that's the height of fun. But I do think it takes away the fun from new players, and it makes a lot of new players not even try certain games because they know they'll be destroyed. Yeah, just in, like, Counter-Strike, for instance, which is where this has happened a lot to me, there's kind of this expectation of everyone you're going up against is kind of an individual, and they may have good teamwork, but it's not pre-planned. It used to piss me off until I realized I can always leave. You know, and what I find is usually when you're playing a game like that where a team is dominating, what happens is... You, the other team starts just not playing and goes away, and then they don't have their fun anymore. Uh, when you play a game like that for a while, you begin to develop friendships on different servers with people. Yeah. Um, and those are the servers you enjoy playing on, so you go to those servers. And mm-hmm. you'll usually have one, maybe two of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it happens on those servers, you don't really want to leave because that's kind of where your home base is. Well, true. So, I mean, you still have the option to leave, but it's not really much of an option. You're going to be having less fun either two way. two or three servers like that, and so I was you just roll to the next one. Okay, I think that's going to just about do it for the show. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to our Polish listener, our first Polish international listener. Heard any good jokes lately? <laughs> uh, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to chat, as always, you can visit our forums at www.baldmove.com or send us an email. Oh, damn it. Or send us an email at blueyonder at baldmove.com. Especially or, you, Polish dude. We want to hear from you. Yes, and send it in Polish so we can't even read Mail it. Mail me a sausage. I bet his accent is sexy. Or, if you want, you can now reach us by phone at 1-800-EAT-A-BAG-OF-BOBBITS. And with that said, <laughs> until next time, I'm Jim Jones. And I am Peter Street. And I'm Aaron Hubbard. Ciao.
who didn't know how to use their spells and abilities, the tank who, who couldn't hold aggro to save his life, and, and, and also are. no idea what the fuck he's like, talking about. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Tank, what? You know, uh, all that stuff. Oh, right. I can't um, even tell what you're saying. Is the mic on your fucking head? <laughs> God, you don't have a mic shoved in your ass, do you? Because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it actually sounds okay for my end. <laughs> anyway, on with the show. Hey, because I was feeling this, that, and the other, it made my actions okay, when what you really mean is they make them understandable. <laughs> Possibly. God, I, I your think... fucking audio, man. Stop digging in the refrigerator. Well, I don't know what the hell... He's making doing. goddamn barrels again. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's it's real distraction. Extremely. <laughs> what were you... You were digging in the fridge, weren't you? <laughs> Like, I'm not joking. You were, weren't you? Guilty as fucking charge. <laughs> See? See? I could I tell. It. Like, it was that clear. I could actually fucking tell what you were doing. You're like echolocation. You're like, you're like fucking daredevil over there. <laughs> and now he's opening, what's that? Not a, not a Pepsi, a Coke. <laughs> I can tell. That's the the distinct sound of Coca-Cola. <laughs> Alright, well, that's just gonna fuck my ass twice on Sundays. And it's not even Sunday, so it's tomorrow. I'm getting fucked twice in the ass. Ah. It's over. <laughs> Alright, well, I think that's just gonna bow. Fuck! <laughs> just gonna bow. You gotta bow just out! Go, you gotta bow out! Just gonna bow. Fuck my ass! <laughs> I think I'm just gonna mouth me stupid on the podcast. <laughs> just gonna mouth, jump off a fucking cliff, and I'm a fucking moron. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh.